As we start this service, I would like to bow in prayer again as we think about praising the name of God. As we think about the mightiness of God in doing for us what we were unable to do for ourselves. So bow with me in prayer, thinking about this one that we just sang, a roaring chorus about Jesus. Lord, I ask that that would be true in our hearts, Lord, that we would come ready to praise your name. Knowing that there will come a day that will never end. And we will sing your praise forevermore. Lord, as I think of that, Lord, what could be better than that? Lord, there is nothing on this earth that we would desire in comparison to you. So Lord, I pray that that would be true. Lord, as we look at your word now, as we hear from you, Lord, I pray that our hearts and our minds would be turned to the eternal, to those things that last. Lord, do this for your honor and your glory alone, Lord Jesus. We love you. Thank you. Amen. I invite you to turn your Bible to 1 John chapter 1. I did not say John chapter 1, although we've been there the past two weeks. 1 John chapter 1. As you turn there, I want to remind you, we've been talking about this idea of the new creation that has come in Jesus Christ, and we've been talking about coming and seeing the new creation. We talked about the dawn of the new creation, the light that is shining in the darkness. And then we talked about the gift of the new creation and the the benefit of Jesus and the wonder of Jesus. But we're not just coming and seeing. Today we're looking at the idea of going and telling the reality of the new creation. Now, as I mentioned, my kids, the reality for them is Christmas morning. I think of celebrating, especially Christmas, and you're trying to keep in balance the tension between what the world would say is most important and that which we know is most important to us. And I know that many of you are probably excited about presents My kids are thrilled about presents. I think of me. I'm excited about presents because I know that I'm just on the verge of getting socks and white t-shirts. I'm almost there. And I know it's coming closer and closer because I'm starting to get tins filled with my favorite snack foods. Therefore, I know that socks and white t-shirts are just around the corner. But I also know that as you're older, you start looking at things totally different than you did when you were younger. I think of seeing the presents that my kids are getting and I look at them and I go, these things are absolutely meaningless. Absolutely meaningless. I don't even know if this thing's going to work when I put batteries in it. And eventually they're going to get bored with it and it's going to be donated to the Gateway Center, which I recommend all of them get donated to the Gateway Center at some point. I knew that was coming. But I think of our hearts constantly being turned from that which is temporary to that which is eternal. And John, again, in 1 John chapter 1, turns the focus to that which is eternal. And so I invite you to read with me, just for now, the first two verses of 1 John. He says this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, The life was made manifest and we have seen it and we testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. 
As you read that, you cannot help but think that he's already talking about that which was from the beginning. As we read in John 1, he says, in the beginning was the Word. He says that again, it was from the beginning. But notice the tangible evidence of the things that he's talking about. He says, listen, there's, there's a story that I'm going to tell you, but it's not just a story. Yes, I heard this. But then he says, I saw this. And I didn't just see it, I, I looked upon it, meaning I investigated it, I put it under scrutiny, I observed it over and over and over again. But he doesn't even stop there. He then says, I was actually next to the story so much so that I reached out and I touched it. It was right there, I touched it with my hands. And he says, this story is concerning the word of life. The message that gives us life. The message that gives us, I would argue, the new creation. That which is truly life. That's what I'm talking about. But notice he says it's not just a message. He's talking about a message that's tangible. And he reminds us that the message of the word of life is caught up in a person. It is Jesus. And we know that because he says the life was made manifest. It was shown openly to us. And in that one verse, he reminds us of the historical fact of the incarnation actually happened. Jesus actually came to this earth. The story that we know and that we've read and probably heard so many times, it actually happened. He says, I was there and I saw it. I want to encourage you to read again the Christmas story. I want you to read it for two reasons. One, for your sake, but also for the sake of other people. Now, I know as parents, I have little kids, and when I try to read the Christmas story before opening presents, it's almost not going to happen because my kids are sitting there wanting to destroy the wrapping off of their presents with a passion that rivals obsessive maniacism. I want my present. That's what they're doing over and over again. So if I try to stop and hinder this, but listen, even if your kids don't listen to you, read it again. Think of the friends and family that you're going to be with, and you're going to talk to them about the reality of Jesus, Lord willing. And maybe they're going to look at you and go, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. But I challenge you, read it again and understand something. All of it is real. All of it actually happened. The things that are told to us, John says, I was there and I saw these things. And guess what? I know that Jesus is actually real because I I saw him and I heard him and I touched him. Everything that I'm telling you, he says, I'm testifying to you. I'm proclaiming it to you that it's real. It's absolutely real. And he says, this is eternal life that was made manifest to you. It's not just life. He says, it's not just all that is life. He says, this is life, all that is life that will never, ever end And it's all cut up in one man, Jesus Christ. And so as we begin, our prayer for you and for ourselves is that our hearts, again, are going to be turned from that which is temporary to the eternal. I want to remind us we can always enjoy the gift of Jesus Christ. He's not just simply for this holiday. He's all the time real. This is a good reminder, but all the time. He is with you. His love is with you. If you have received him as your Lord and Savior, you are a child of God. And the blessing that we're going to celebrate in a few days is for all of your life. And it is the very essence of what your life is. So every moment, 
of every day, the gift of God in Jesus Christ is yours. And it's given to you in full. You are a part of the new creation in Jesus Christ. And John tells us, listen, I, I heard that life. I saw that life. I observed that life. And I touched that life. And all the things that I'm telling you about this life is wonderfully true. He was with the Father. And he came to us. And he was shown to us. And so eternal life is real. Because Jesus is real. And therefore we know that God himself is real. I love that story. I love it so much. Listen to this. Even the unregenerate heart, the heart that has yet to be saved by Jesus Christ, knows that that is real. A week ago, a dear friend of mine, his name is Vince. He's a performance singer and uh, just an absolutely incredible tenor. One of his bucket list things that he's wanted to do throughout the course of his life was he wanted to sing in Grand Central Station. And so a week ago, he takes a Bluetooth speaker and some music, and uh, he sets his speaker up in Grand Central Station, and he starts singing Christmas carols. He made like 23 bucks. But that wasn't even the point, and he gave it to homeless people. So it wasn't about him. But, here, but here's how Ecclesiastes, Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes that eternity has been placed in the heart of mankind. And it was revealed that even the unregenerate heart knows that Jesus is real. Because as he sang Christmas carols, I wish you could hear him sing, O Holy Night. I wish you could hear him sing it. But he sang chestnuts roasting on an open fire. He sang another song or two, but O Holy Night is the one that got all the attention. Why? Because they know Everyone knows deep in their heart, because that is where God has placed it, that this is a real story. Jesus Christ is real. And you know, a hundred years from now, society may have been successful in removing Christmas from what we call this holiday season, and they may just call it the holiday season. But here is one thing that is fact and absolutely real and will never be changed. The reason why there is a celebration at this time of the year is because of the real birth of God through Jesus Christ. And here's what I know. The heart that's been able, that has had the chance to experience the reality of Jesus Christ in their lives can't help but proclaim that truth. Can't help it. Charles just spoke about it through John, or with John as the example, and we're going to see John could not help but proclaim what he knew about Jesus Christ. He couldn't help it based on what he saw, based on what he heard. He couldn't help but proclaim because of the fellowship it brought between him and God the Father through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in him. He couldn't help but proclaim it because of the fellowship he shared with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And he also couldn't help but proclaim what he knew about Jesus because his joy was not complete unless he was proclaiming the truth about who Jesus Christ is. Let's look at what John says as we continue on through this passage. Verses 3 and 4. If we could put those up, please. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. 
And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. John could not help himself. He had to proclaim based on what he saw. What did he see? He saw Jesus perform miracles. He saw Jesus raise the dead. He saw Jesus on multiple occasions feed thousands and thousands of people with a couple of loaves of of bread and a handful of fish. He saw Jesus stand up against the Pharisees. He saw him walk on water. Think about the things in your life that drive you to proclaim. I can't help but proclaim it. Parents, the moment your child is born, you want people to see. You want to proclaim that your child has been born. Shoot, Wendy and I, when Caden was born, we spent $800 to fly our son home and introduce him to my family back in Pennsylvania. Can't help yourself. You can't help yourself. I've seen, I've seen grooms after the I do's are said, can't wait to introduce everyone to his new bride. There are things in life that we just cannot help ourselves but to proclaim to our friends and our family. But there is something we have in Jesus Christ that carries an eternal weight of glory that should drive us to proclaim the truth of who he is because of what we have seen in him and because of what we have heard from him and about him. John saw some pretty miraculous things, but he also heard some really miraculous things. In Matthew chapter 17, we see Peter, James, and John standing on top of a mountain with Jesus. And all of a sudden, what do they see? They see Elijah and Moses standing with Jesus, talking with him. And then what did they hear? They heard the voice of God the Father say, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. He saw amazing things. He heard amazing things. He could not help but proclaim based on what he had seen and what he had heard. So here's a question for you. Are your eyes open to seeing the truth of who Jesus is? Are your ears open to hearing from Jesus and what he has for you? Is your tongue loosed because of what you've seen and what you've heard. John goes on, verse 3, second half of verse 3, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Because He had experienced true Holy Spirit-driven fellowship, He couldn't help but proclaim. He knew what it was to be in relationship now with God the Father in a real and a true and a meaningful way. He knew what it was like to be in relationship with Jesus Christ in the most magnificent and true and meaningful way. He knew what it was like now to be in fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ like we share right here. Fellowship that is deep and meaningful and real. Now listen to this. There aren't very many people that walk the face of this earth that were able to experience Jesus Christ in the flesh, to walk beside him, to listen to him. And then to know what it's like to have the Holy Spirit inside of him. To have Jesus through the might and the power and the work of the Holy Spirit inside of him. There aren't very many people that have had the chance to experience that like John did. Jesus said to John and others, 
in John chapter 16. Uh, Jasper referred to this last week. Jesus said to them, hey, listen, it's to your benefit that I leave so that the helper can come. I can't imagine what it's like to hear Jesus say, I got to go, but it's better for you. Because here's what's going to happen. When I bring to you after my death and resurrection, when I bring to you the fullness of me inside of you, then you're going to know what it's like to be in true fellowship with me and with the Father and with others. And so my question for you, church, is this. Are you experiencing a true and a deep and a meaningful and a passionate relationship, fellowship with God the Father through Jesus Christ as His Holy Spirit is in you and with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Man, I sure hope you are. And if you are, you shouldn't be able to help but to proclaim the truth of the fellowship, the real fellowship that you are experiencing because of the day Jesus was born into this world. And listen, John goes on to say, look, my joy is incomplete. My joy is incomplete. And here's why it's incomplete. It's incomplete because if I am not proclaiming who Jesus Christ is and the reality of Him, I am not experiencing joy to the fullest. I wonder if you hold your tongue when, it come, when Jesus is prompting you by, the, by His Holy Spirit in you to share Him. I wonder if you avoid sharing because you're afraid of something. John says if you're not proclaiming, you're not experiencing the fullness of the joy that comes through proclaiming Jesus Christ. Also, his, his joy is incomplete because of this. I know and you know, John knew, that there are those that Jesus brings into our lives that do not know Him. There are loved ones that we have that don't share in the same fellowship we share with Jesus because they have yet to bow the knee to Him. John says in 2 John, there's nothing brings him greater joy than to know his family is walking in fellowship with the truth and with Jesus. He has to proclaim. Because until we stand in glory with God, our joy will be incomplete. And we should always be proclaiming to those that Jesus brings into our lives the truth of who He is so that we can joyously see them give their lives to Jesus Christ. Let me end with this. Come and see, go and tell. Are you coming and seeing who Jesus is? And are you going and speaking about who He is? What is it about fellowship with Jesus that compels you to share Him with others? What is it that keeps you from proclaiming? And then this. If you have enjoyed real fellowship with Jesus, don't keep it to yourself. Let's do what John did, and let's share it, and let's proclaim it. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. We're proclaiming a message, and the message is a message that is true and is real reality of this message is that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. In 1 John 1, 1, as we continue, John says, this is the message that we have heard and we proclaim to you 
that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Here's what I want us to do. I want us all the lights out. Let's get this down. I want you to focus on the darkness that we are in right now. There's a little bit of light here. But primarily we're surrounded by darkness. And John is proclaiming a message that he's saying this is truth. This is real. God is light. In him, no darkness at all. And he's implying something. The implication is that outside of God, in us, in the world, it is full of darkness. But we get it back. We ascribe darkness to God, and we ascribe light to ourselves and to the world. What is darkness? Imagine being in this room. It's hard to see. There's lack of clarity. Unable to comprehend what's around us because of the lack of light. And if we're stuck in darkness, if the world is in darkness, then we don't see. It's saying that we're blind. And we're unable to come to the right conclusions about who we are and who God is. But then, then on Christmas morning, the Savior, the light of the world is born and He grows. And we get to see Him, as John says. We get to touch Him and we got to handle Him and study Him and find out that He is completely different. He is the light that we've desperately needed. He's the one who has come and show us the way and who we are and who he is and there's no darkness in him but John told Nicodemus as he was trying to teach him these truths that men though men love darkness rather than light for the works were evil and so yes the good news is the light has come in the world and, and shone in our hearts and the light is here but the issue is we love the darkness that we are trapped in the light shines on us, it makes us uncomfortable, and it brings us to a place where we have to make a decision. Am I going to come to the light and experience the hardship and the uncomfortable feelings of having my sin exposed, or am I going to retreat back into the darkness because it feels comfortable there? Well, the message that we must proclaim that we must first come and see, but we must take out to the world, is that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. And He's what we desperately need. Now, pay attention as the lights come back on. As they come back on and they illuminate this room, our eyes are drawn to where the light is shining. And now there's clarity we can see. There's, there's, there's exactly truth up here on the stage. You see clearly. 1 John 1. Let's talk about it for a second. And you may have a seat. I notice you're standing. Thank you. You know what it's like when you're sitting with someone and maybe you're eating and they get something stuck in their teeth? You know, like a little piece of lettuce or something, and, and when they talk and they laugh, it, it, like, it like grows. And you, you almost get so tense that you can't take it anymore. You're just fixated on it. It's like, it's kind of like in the movies when a bomb goes off and someone gets shell-shocked, like everything in the background disappears. You're not hearing anything they say. All the sounds around you are being muffled out because you're just fixated on this piece of lettuce that's in their tooth. And at this point, it might as well be a tarp hanging out of their mouth. 
And then you're tasked with something. Should I say something? Or just let it be? I don't want to make them uncomfortable. But I know if it were me, I'd want them to let, let, let me know that I'm blind to the fact that I've got this, this gaping uh, imperfection going on. And, and, and what happens? You end up letting time go on and then you say something. And what is their response? Like, oh my gosh, why didn't you say something earlier? But, but then something, imagine now that's you. There's this, this dual thing that goes on inside of our hearts. We're like, yes, let me know. Tell me. But when they do tell me, it's like, how dare you? I'm using this little illustration to show that John is proclaiming this message that the world needs to hear. And, he, and he's going to show us here just in a second that, that, yes, we must go and proclaim that Jesus is real. Tangible faith. You realize that faith isn't blind. It is based on the historicity of Jesus and the miracles and the eyewitnesses of time that we have more than enough evidence and reasons to believe. God is real. So much so that we have to do gymnastics and loops to try to say that that's not true. So we must proclaim the reality that Jesus is real. We also are proclaiming the reality of the the fellowship and the joy that is with Jesus There's no other satisfaction, no other joy, no no other purpose in life than to be reconnected to our Savior and our Creator. But then John's going to go on here in these last few verses and he's going to show there's the reality of our condition and the reality of darkness that the world's in that we must proclaim so they see their need to come to the light. Otherwise, we will continue to be in darkness and lie to ourselves. And so the... The little lights in the world have to go and proclaim the message that some will hate. Some will hate and they will retreat back in the dark or they'll do everything they can to snuff out your light because of how uncomfortable you're making them. Stop pointing out reality. Look what he says here. 1 John 1 verse 5. He says, this is the message we've heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Then he says this, if we say we have fellowship, right? The fellowship that is joyful that we love. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, what's the truth? We lie and do not practice the truth. So there it is. There's the moment. In our own life, we must self-reflect. And amongst our brothers and sisters, we must be willing to say the hard thing. There's a proverb that talks about how open rebuke is better than flattery. That someone that is rebuked with the truth, well, well, you'll find that they'll come back and love you versus just flattering people and making them feel good so you can satiate your own relationships with people and elevate yourself in their mind. We've been tasked with a message to go out and proclaim. And this message we shouldn't apologize for because it's the good news. It's the message and the truth that will lead people to the true joy that we experience that we want them to have as well. And so there comes a point where we must reveal the reality in someone's life when they say, yes, I believe, I have fellowship with God, but when we look at their life, they're in darkness. And we must say, listen, you're still in darkness. Your reality is more important than what you say. Your lips are deceiving you. You're lying. Because when I look at your life, you are stuck in darkness. You love darkness, and you're fellowshipping with darkness. Come to the light, right? There's a message. There's a message. But we must look in our own lives when it comes to that. Are we 
in fellowship with this light, one of the ways we can tell is by willingly putting ourselves in the light to expose what's going on in my heart and what are the things that I'm fellowshipping and indulging in. Does my life show that I'm fellowshipping in the light? We take this message and this reality out. And then look what he says here. He says, but, verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. Being in the light, is the, that is the goal and the solution. When John was talking to Nicodemus, and he was talking about light coming in the world, meaning exposing the reality, exposing darkness, exposing sins, helping us see who we really are. He said that everyone who comes to the light, it is clearly seen that their works are being carried out by God. What does that mean? That means if you, in your flesh, are willingly exposing the darkness that you're keeping from everyone else, willingly coming to the light to expose that to God and even your brothers and sisters, that's clarity. Whoa, God is at work in you. Because apart from the light, we don't expose these weaknesses and these sins. And so he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, which means this, do you have hidden sin in your life? When you come around, brothers and sisters, are you putting on the face, putting on the mask, singing Merry Christmas? When all the while in your heart, you know, you know you are hiding in the dark. Come to the light, brothers and sisters. But also go and share that message and be willing to say the most loving thing you can to someone and say, listen, you're walking in darkness. You need to come to the light. The joy's in the light. The joy's not in me just making you feel better about your circumstance. The joy is in the truth. Come to the light. Be willing to go through the hard exposure of whatever it is in your life that's bringing you to destruction and following the way of darkness. Walk in the light as He is in the light. And then you'll have confidence that if you're in the light, you're walking in Jesus. Jesus and God has worked in you. And then you can rejoice in the truth that the blood of Jesus that was spilled out on behalf of the world has cleansed you from all sins, which is the message that we go and proclaim that we have a sacrifice and a substitute for sins and that we can be forgiven. Walk in the light as He is in the light. But then He says this, If we say we have no sin, verse 8, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. What is the reality here? The reality of man is that everyone thinks that they're good. I mean, if you go ask anyone on the planet, well, I'm not a bad person. I'm not a bad person. I'm good. And my mind left up to us to compare ourselves to other people in the dark, we will be able to find plenty of people in the world who are evil and wicked that will make us feel better about ourselves. And when we compare ourselves to the dark, we can convince ourselves, I, I don't have sin. I'm a good person. What is John concluding? What's the reality there that we must proclaim? Listen, you're deceived. You don't know what you're saying. You are comparing yourself to dark, not to the light. Look to Jesus and you will find within your heart no longer a conclusion that you're pretty good, but a conclusion that you desperately need Him and you need forgiveness. That's the message that we come and see and we deal with ourselves and then we take out to the rest of the world and it's a beautiful message. A beautiful message that we must proclaim. Then he says this, 
the verse that we know, the verse that we come to all the time in our personal life because we need it every single day. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all, every bit of unrighteousness. When you look at the context of what we're talking about, the proclamation is of reality itself. We must be willing to say the truth about God No, I'm not going to ascribe darkness to Him. I do it all the time where I conclude He's not good because of the circumstances in my life or I think He doesn't love me. And I say something different than the truth He's revealed in Jesus. And then I turn around in the same breath and I elevate myself as if I'm somehow better than God. We do it all the time. No, no, no. I need to be willing to proclaim the truth, reality, regardless of how uncomfortable it is, regardless of how uncomfortable it makes me, because this is the path, the true joy and satisfaction. This is the joy that comes out in Christmas. Not because just a little baby was born, but what it means and what it brings and what it brought. And the reality of what exists today is that mankind, which has fallen and in darkness, can be brought wholly into the light and forgiven forgiven of every atrocity and wickedness, forgiven and given a home and a place and a new life and new birth and promise of a new body and shed of our past and beholding the future that awaits us in Jesus Christ. But that only comes through saying and admitting the truth and not retreating to darkness. Let me ask you in your life, he says it's if we confess our sins. You know what confession is? It's saying the right thing. It's agreeing with God. So what is it in your life? What is it in your life right now that you are hiding? That you're not wanting to agree with God about? That you're not wanting to let your brothers and sisters see so you can experience healing? What is it? It has to start with us before we proclaim it or else we put ourselves in judgment to the world as we go and we pull out the specks while there's a huge log in our eye. What is it? Church, this is the time to reflect on the light and let the light shine on us regardless of of how it makes us feel. This is the path to joy and rejoicing. And the good news is that we get forgiven of all of our sins and cleansed of all unrighteousness. And then he says this. Verse 10, If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Some people would dare even to say, I've never committed a sin. That may seem rare to us, but it's more of a heart attitude. Where are we? People need to hear the true message. The message that will actually bring them to the light, to a place of salvation. And us left to ourselves, we will always conclude a message that is not true. And the dawn of the new creation has shone on the horizon and the light has shone and it's pushing away the darkness. Even now the darkness is being engulfed by the light and the light is shining truth to us. In Jesus there's truth. In Jesus there's life. And this is the message we must come and see and receive and then go out into the world and proclaim. Now listen, church, I can sense even now a response in a heart of heaviness for some reason. Heaviness. Listen, this is good news. This is good news. This is exciting. This is wonderful. This is what it's all about. All about. And God has chosen in His love and His unconditional purpose of love to reveal these things to us. We could have been kept in the dark 
condemned already, awaiting our judgment, but a Savior came at the right time. God has worked through history in great patience and in great love to give us His only Son, that whosoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting light. And listen, when we understand, we understand what it means to be lost in darkness, the gift of the good news becomes something now we sing carols and we rejoice in. Hark the herald angels sing. Is that just something we sing because it's routine and we know it and it makes us feel nostalgic of the traditions of the past? Or is it something that we say, yeah, the angels are rejoicing and I'm rejoicing with them because I'm a part of this family I don't deserve to be a part of and God has saved me. God, keep me in the light and give me a passion like Paul and like Jesus to lay down my life for those who are still in darkness. I can't take it anymore. I want, to, I want to see them saved. I want them to know the joy that's in Jesus. So God, well within me a passion to go and proclaim this message to my family, to my friends, to, to pray for them, to live in joy around them, to not act like I'm still in darkness, to not forget the wonder, the wonder of the gospel and the message of Christ. But to rejoice here on earth that a Savior was born that light has come into the world, and that all men can be saved through Him. Call upon the name of the Lord, and you will be saved. Church, if you've received this, don't let the enemy take your joy. Rejoice in it every day. And then be motivated by those who are still in darkness who need to hear this message and be willing to say the truth and love because it's the message that will truly help them and save them because it's what helped us. Let's be willing to speak the truth. Father, God of lights, God of all good and perfect gifts, we love you and we thank you for the grace and the mercy that you've lavished upon us. We have come and we've seen and we've received ourselves. The dawn of new creation is here and the gift in Jesus is here. And God, we've, we've benefited from it. And we don't fully understand the, the effect and the wonder of it, though we believe it now. There are still those who are left in darkness who need to hear this message working in us every single day as we, we kill the flesh and we fight and we control our bodies to come to the light and stay in the light. But then help us with joy and motivation, and zeal, and a passion and love for others to proclaim this message to them. God, we ask and we pray that you would be with us always as we know that you are. In the precious name of Jesus, amen.